What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is your Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. So that's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to these shows, which go out Monday through Friday. You get links to my articles, which go out typically on Sunday. And, of course, you get my tweets. Typically, I post a thread um, usually every day. Now, this week, uh, if you guys listened to the show yesterday or you're following on Twitter, I am on vacation technically. Uh, you're still doing shows as you guys are obviously listening to this. You know I'm still doing shows. But I'm in the Dominican Republic, so my Twitter presence will probably be a little bit reduced this, um, this coming week. I'll still do a couple of things, and I did uh, a couple of things yesterday, but it'll be definitely not as much as you guys have become accustomed to uh, up until I get home, which will be on Sunday. So apologies there. I know uh, a lot of you guys like the threads that I do. Uh, they will come back. They are just uh, on a bit of a pause. And like I said, there will still be a couple things that I post out. I posted out some Charlie Morton info last night. He's looked really good, man. Uh, you know, I've been back and forth on Charlie, but I posted some stuff about him last night. He's got the best swinging strike rate and called strikes plus whiff percentage over the last two weeks among, uh, I mean, qualified pitchers, among pitchers who have pitched at least 10 innings over the last two weeks. So, I mean, I've, I've gone on about the Braves, man, but Charlie Morton uh, really don't know what's going to happen with the Braves there. But anyway, that's just the one example of something that I put out on Twitter. Typically, I'll post a thread of the most added players, uh, different things, trying to evaluate players, looking at fan graphs and pitcher list leaderboards and stuff like that. So please do hit the follow button on Twitter. So today will be a pretty standard show. It's not going to run too long. It'll probably be about 25 minutes or so. Uh, I'm going to be looking back on yesterday's top performers, as I am known to do. Uh, we'll talk about maybe the top five or seven performers from yesterday. I'll look ahead to one or two pitching matchups that I'm keeping my eye on for today. There are a couple that are definitely interesting to me. One in particular really interests me. And then I'm going to look back over the last two weeks and talk about the top 10 fantasy performers in that time frame. Talk about, you know, there'll be some names on there that there's going to be no move to be made. You know, your, your Mike Trout, I think, is on there. Manny Machado, who, I mean, pff, there might be a move to be made with Machado, but still, uh, still not sure about that one exactly. We're going to talk about uh, fantasy viability. If what we're seeing these last couple weeks is a real thing or if it's kind of can't be trusted, we'll, we'll get into all of that. So, we will start off with uh, the top performers from yesterday. So you could make an argument that there's a couple of guys who could qualify as the number one uh, pitcher from yesterday or player from yesterday. Uh, there's two that are neck and neck. I think it's Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole. You can kind of pick your poison there between the two of them. I think we'll start off with Corbin because I think it was just slightly more impressive, and I have more shares of Corbin Burns than I do of Garrett Cole. So he interests me a little bit more. Uh, so Corbin went seven innings, struck out ten. Uh, walk two, give up two hits, no earned runs. Uh, you know, he's really settled back in. I had a show a couple weeks ago where I said, the, the title of the show was actually, Will Corbin Burns Repeat as NL Cy Young? And that was after his start at St. Louis on uh, May the 29th, where he went seven innings, struck out 11. Then he had a couple of really rough outings back-to-back. -back. I mean, really rough for his standards. Anyway, or I mean, the first one was rough by any standards against San Diego there. Uh, three and two-thirds, you have eight hits, five earned runs. The next one, four and a third against the Phillies, walked four. Uh, a couple of rough outings, and I thought, oh, my God, I jinxed Corbin Burns. Like, what am I going to do here? I have him in so many leagues. He has really figured it out these last couple of outings, specifically yesterday, again, against St. Louis. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing against St. Louis, man. Uh, seven innings, two hits, 10 Ks. What more can you really ask out of him? He got the victory. He's up. To, his record is only five and four, which just 
I mean, I really don't like pitching wins as a category. Something else that I've also titled the show in the past, I believe. Um, so it's it's kind of tough because in fantasy, you really need to have wins coming in for a pitcher for them to be valuable. And Martin Perez has been a great example of that. As someone who has been a fantastic asset this season, but because of his lack of wins, he's ranked uh, – let me just take a look where Perez is. I think he's, he's an 83rd-ranked player because he only has four wins. Now, Corbin Burns is currently the – 20th ranked player and he only has five wins can you imagine if he had six or seven wins definitely you're talking about like a first round return there so I know it's been a little bit of a bumpy road for Corbin Burns but he has been fantastic he's still probably going to uh, it's tough to say we're still a little bit early but I think he's going to be the uh, the NL Cy Young winner this year there's a couple of candidates for sure. There's a couple of people who are in contention there, but I think uh, Corbin is at the front of the pack. Uh, Joe Musgrove and Sandy Alcantara as well, but I don't think that we're going to see them be this dominant all year, where I think that Corbin probably can be. Uh, it's funny. I was talking yesterday uh, with Kev John, who was a guest on the show, I think it was last week, uh, about Corbin Burns, or not about Corbin Burns, about um, Sandy Alcantara, who I just mentioned, and Garrett Cole, and who we prefer. Now, I'm more on the Alcantara side, I think. Cole has had some iffy outings this season. We've seen him get hit around a little bit, where Alcantara has been more consistent. So it's a little bit of recency bias on my behalf, but I said I'll take Alcantara. Kev said he'd go with Garrett Cole. Now, granted, I'd had a couple of pina coladas when I was having this chat with him, but I still think that I don't know. I think they're really close. But Garrett Cole yesterday, man, that's I guess I'll use that as a segue into talking about him. He was neck and neck with Corbin Burns, seven and a third, 12 Ks, one and run, three walks and a hit. Now, he didn't get the victory. Another reason why I hate victories in baseball, because they're so random. Uh, they gave the win to Wandy Peralta, who pitched in the ninth inning, scoreless ninth inning. He got the victory for whatever reason. Uh, I, at that point, I don't really understand it. If you're a fantasy owner of Cole, I'm sure you don't understand it even more. It's, it's, a, stu it's a stupid category, honestly. Uh, over the next couple of years, I'm going to be trying to move away from it in my leagues, <clears throat> go to more of a either a quality start or something else. Like we, we can, we got to be able to do better than wins. As a, there's only five categories. It's 20% of your pitching categories right there, and it's so random. It really doesn't even matter how well your guy pitches, and it Garrett Cole proved that yesterday. Seven and a third, 12 Ks, only one earned run. Team comes away with a victory. You figure, okay, he's going to get the W, right? That's what it should be. But alas, no. Uh, every other category for fantasy in terms of pitchers is based on merit. How many strikeouts they have. I mean, the ERA can be a little bit, uh, I don't know, if you have really bad defense behind you, then it can vary a little bit, sure. That's maybe not just solely up to the pitcher, but definitely got more control over his ERA than he does over the wins. Whip, fairly similar to ERA. More so, it's up to the pitcher. There is some factor that comes into it who's playing behind him, but wins are just so random. They're out of the guy's hand a lot of the time. It's just for it to decide championships and fantasy and for it to decide, I know, you're talking about like high-stakes money leagues here. We're talking like, NFBC leagues where you put a lot of money into entry fees, man. Some of those, like the main event at the NFBC, I think is a $1,700 entry fee. Uh, if you lose out, and I know uh, they're mostly Roto over there, I think. I've actually never done NFBC. We're going to start doing it next year. I think it's mostly Roto. 
But can we just imagine for a second if you lost out on like $100,000 or something because you, you lost by a point or two and it comes down to a couple of stupid wins on the official scores side. It just, it's just stupid. It sucks. And honestly, as much as I'd like it to change and as much as it, it probably should change, I don't think it is going anywhere anytime soon. The purists, the fantasy baseball purists, uh, they love the 5x5, five five, man. They don't want to change the 5x5. Five five. I think saves plus holds is about as far as a lot of those people go. And even some of them... They might even be telling you uh, the hell with holds. They just want the standard five by five. So finding something over time in the fantasy world that will eventually replace the W, if there is ever anything, I don't think we're seeing it soon, uh, not in terms of you know standard high-stakes leagues. If you're a commissioner of a league and you have say in this matter, then you should really talk to your league mates maybe next year or whenever. I mean, next year is the most logical time to do this about – uh, switching out the wins category or making it wins slash quality starts or w- changing it to quality starts or something different than wins because this is infuriating when this happens. I mean, I only, I only have Garrett Cole and I think like one points league and one category league. Uh, not, neither league is particularly high stakes, so I'm not like broken up about it really. But I'm still kind of pissed off. I think it's pretty stupid that this is, that this is where we're at. Uh, let, let's move on to Max Freed. Max Freed, he... Had a great game yesterday. Seven innings, five hits, two walks, struck out eight. I love me some Braves pitching, man. I've gone on about it recently. I think they're they are so stacked in their rotation. There's a few teams in baseball, obviously the Yankees, uh, the Dodgers, when everybody's healthy, the Mets. Great rotations. But this one is really special to me. I don't know why. I've never been a big Braves fan. I've, I don't – there's no bias here. If there's any bias that I have, you guys know it's towards Toronto – uh, I just think the Braves' rotation is so good. And when Mike Soroka comes back, assuming he can get back to the form he was showed us, uh, 2020 was the last time we saw him pitch. If he can get back to somewhere around there, my God, man. Like, that team has a decent chance, if they come on strong in the second half, to really compete. Uh, I know that the Mets are running away with the division a little bit. The Mets have a lot of pitching injuries. The Mets have a lot of stuff going on. And the Mets are known disappointers. They are known to F up as the season goes on. Mets being Mets is essentially the way I think about it. And I don't know that we're going to see the Mets, what are they on pace to win right now? They got 45 wins. They're winning 65% of their games. You're talking like more than 100 wins here easily. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that. It's a chance we see it, but I still think the Braves get into the playoffs. And I think once we get there, uh, their pitching depth will carry them. And I know the Mets have pitching depth too, but DeGrom, who, kn- who the hell knows with DeGrom if he's going to come back or not? And if he comes back, what we're going to see, what level of play. Uh, Scherzer shouldn't be out for too long, but Tyler McGill uh, is another unknown back on the injured list. Like They've had some in- they've had some struggles, plus with we know how the Mets work. Uh, I-, I like the Braves, man. I like the Braves as a dark horse candidate there a little bit. I mean, not so dark horse necessarily, but I, I like them to win the NL East this year. Uh, that's personally what I think. Freed is going to be a big reason behind it. 277 ERA. And I know I said that Burns will probably be the Cy Young in the National League, but I think Max Freed, if he keeps it up, I think voters like voting for somebody who hasn't won it before. Uh, I mean, I think there's two schools of thought. Some people like to see dominance year on year and year and, and reward it. You know, we saw Roger Clemens win seven Cy Youngs. Barry Bonds won seven MVPs. And you see it across other sports, right? Like Wayne Gretzky won, like, <clears throat> I don't know, I think 10 MVPs in the NHL. Uh, the NFL, we've seen Peyton Manning win five MVPs. Aaron Rodgers win four MVPs. You see it across sports that people like 
uh, sustained runs of dominance, why, which I think will play in Burns' favor. But there's also the other school of thought where we like to reward uh, different people. You know, the Cy Young should go to the best pitcher every single year. Yes, but at the same time, we like to spread the love around a little bit here. Make sure that a few guys uh, in each era who are deserving of trophies get those trophies. Because, I mean, you could look back uh, the American League during the 2000s. <clears throat> Again, here's the Toronto bias creeping out a little bit. I think Roy Halladay could have won, like, probably four Cy Youngs during that period, at least. Uh, he won one in the American League, one in the National League. I think he could have won more than that. Uh, you could look at different guys. Uh, Albert Pujols probably could have won more MVPs. Mike Trout should probably have more MVPs. So there are guys who, even if they're deserving, look, LeBron James is another example. Uh, LeBron James has four MVPs. In all reality, he should probably have, like, ten. Uh, I, I, I like LeBron. I'm not, like, a massive LeBron James fan, but from like the late 2000s to the mid-2010s here, uh, it's hard to say that anybody else deserved any kind of MVPs during that period. I know that Derrick Rose won one in there, and Kevin Durant, and uh, Westbrook later on, Harden. Uh, you, you, you find, I think, part of it is voter fatigue. They, they're sick of seeing the same names win the trophies. That's why, you know, uh, straying, we're straying away a little bit from baseball here, but like you know, we've seen Nikola Jokic win two straight MVPs in the NBA. I don't think we're going to see him in win anymore because voters are just kind of probably sick of him now. So all that to say is Burns has a decent chance here, I think, partly because he won last year, and there will be some people who like to see that back-to-back. But I think that other guys like Freed, like Musgrove, like Alcantara will have a chance just because, like I said, some guys on the other side of that spectrum like to reward different people every year. You spread the love around. Uh, some people like, you know, 10 years, you have eight or nine different Cy Young winners. And I, I kind of like that, too. You know, everybody gets a little bit of love. Uh, not that one person should be rewarded over another based on anything other than merit. It shouldn't be a popularity contest or a feel-bad award or anything like that. So while I would be putting money on Corbin Burns today, I think there's a decent chance that other people can slide into the race. Uh, Guys, that was one of my tangents there. You guys know I like to go off on the odd little tangent. It happens. I'm sorry, guys. You know I have a very active brain. Uh, as, a, as a child, I did have uh, ADD. I still probably do. But the brain tends to bounce around sometimes. So apologies if you guys don't like those little tangents I go on. It does tend to happen every now and again. Let's move on to a couple more players from yesterday. Logan Webb had another great outing. He went seven strong, giving up six hits, one earned run, and seven strikeouts through 107 pitches. Did not get the victory, unfortunately, as they fell to the Braves. He has a 3.26 ERA for the season. He's great. He's Logan Webb is great. Uh, San Francisco is another team that really does a fantastic job with their pitching development. We've said this many, many times on the show. They know what they're doing, and uh, I wouldn't be giving up on any pitcher that they bring up and put in the starting rotation. Like they, as soon as they have a starter who is in the rotation and get, seeing regular innings, I think that they're worth at least a look. Uh, and this is kind of like a, an, a, a hidden Alex Cobb comment, like. He needs to be rostered, guys. Uh, Alex Cobb, I know he's struggled, and I know that he's been injured and whatnot. Uh, he needs to be added. So if he's still available, add him. I know I'm talking about Logan Webb here, and that's another example of my active brain. Uh, Logan Webb, yes, he's obviously already added. You want other San Francisco pitchers, go get Alex Cobb. He's still very widely available, and he shouldn't be. Uh, Shane McClanahan, let's talk about Shane McClanahan for a second. He went six innings, gave four hits, one earned run, walked one, and struck out eight. Now, I didn't watch this game. I wanted to watch this game. was not available where I am here. And I won't lie to you guys, I was kind of pissed off about it because I wanted to see McClanahan and Cole. Uh, now, McClanahan threw 92 pitches through six innings. This, I think, is a good thing. 
Uh, they probably could have sent him back out for more time. Probably could have stretched him to like 110 pitches. 100, like he's, his season high is 100 pitches. But I like this approach that they have had. Uh, not so much recently because they've kind of done it the whole year. But I like that they're not just killing him every time. We're close to like, I think we're 40 or so innings away from what he hit last year. Uh, and I think that they're not going to push him so much. So I, I like that they did this. Uh, granted, like I said, I didn't watch the game, but seeing 92 pitches through six innings, only giving up one run, a lot of managers would send their pitcher back out in that situation. And we saw it the other day with Buck Showalter. He kind of screwed up with Chris Bassett. He st- kept him in the game for too long. He was already at. It was a similar kind of t- numbers, I think. So around six innings, around 90-some-odd pitches, he was doing well. And it was a smart decision uh, by the Rays to take him out here. I think that they'll try and preserve him a little bit. Not not like crazy, you know, they're not going to have him pitch 50 in or 50 pitches or 60 pitches or whatnot, but they'll keep him under that 100 limit. Uh, like he touched 101 time, but I think for the most part, they'll keep him under in that 90 to 95 range, save a few pitches, save some mileage for later in the season. And that will do wonders for the Rays in, in a playoff run because it, it's going to be tough in the American League East. They'll probably make the playoffs still, but they're going to want to try and – I mean, compete at least for the title. They've won it two straight years. Um, I think that will really help the Rays, and I think it'll really help fantasy managers because I've talked about he might be someone you want to trade just because once the fantasy playoffs come around, we're not going to be seeing the innings that we want to see out of him most likely. The chance, if they limit the pitches like we have seen here, not that they're doing so much to limit him, but, I mean, if you're keeping him under 100 every time, you're doing a pretty good job, especially because he's going six, seven, eight innings. That's all you need out of him. They have a strong bullpen. Uh, I think it's really smart. I typically don't like the Rays and the way that they manage and openers and all the bullshit that comes along with the Rays. But I like that they're doing this. Uh, I think this is really smart. It'll really benefit everybody. All parties involved will, will be benefited by this. Uh, let's move away from pitching for a second. Let's talk about Andrew Vaughn. He hit a home run last night, scored twice. He was four for four. Uh, brutal game for the Blue Jays, man. Really strange game, honestly. Uh, this one I caught little bits and pieces of. Uh, wow, the Wi-Fi is okay where I am. But it's kind of in and out. Uh, I can't use my like TV app from home where I would watch the cable stuff that I have on the TV because, honestly, I'm not really sure why exactly. I guess there's something to do with the signal and they can't get it or whatnot. Like, I can go in the app and I can see what's on TV at home, but I can't actually watch it. Uh, it's kind of annoying. I was able to do some streaming stuff, some weird stuff online to get, watch a little bit of the Jays game. And Andrew Vaughn, uh, four for four, two singles, a double, a homer. I think he's a really strong ad going forward. He's going to have more regular playing time. He's batting on the season, 330. Uh, on the strength, yes, he's had some really strong games this last week, a four for four, a three for five, a three for six, a four for four. That'll do it. That'll get your batting average right up there. I don't think LaRusso is going to have much of a choice other than to play him and bat him at the top of the lineup. So I think Andrew Vaughn, where available still, and I'll go check the percentages real quick. I think he's still pretty widely available. Uh, let, let's take a look here. 65% on Yahoo. That's, I mean, they're still going to be available in some competitive leagues, you'd imagine. Probably not a lot of them, but uh, 65 is not is not terrible. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be a little bit higher. ESPN. We're talking 53. So he's more available on ESPN. I think he's a really strong ad. Eligible in the outfield and at first. It's a nice little versatile duo there, being eligible at first and in the outfield. First basemen don't tend to get too many days off, but it's very easy to plug somebody into the outfield, I find, specifically if you play in a five outfielder format. So I think Vaughn is a great guy to plug in there. I think that where he's available, very strong ad rest of season. Now, Joe Kelly was who they went to for the save last night. 
very strange. Uh, everybody had added Kendall Graveman this last week, and uh, I said you should do it. Everybody kind of said you should do it. Obviously, Tony Larusa had some other ideas there. Graveman faced Guerrero, Hernandez, Tapia, and Espinal. Uh, Hernandez hit a double into center field. He had a pretty all right inning, and I guess if we're going to give Tony Larusa like the absolute most benefit of the doubt here, uh, maybe he used Graveman because it was you know the meat of the order. That was the high leverage part um, where where he needed him for a high leverage kind of situation. Uh, bottom of the order, I guess he figured Joe Kelly would be all right. And he was okay. He got the save. He did give up a home run to Kevin Biggio. And, oh, my God, I shared out a, a tweet last night. I retweeted somebody else's thing. I'm, I'm not sure of the account. Forgive me. Uh, they set the Kevin Biggio home run to the money ball scene where Scott Hatterberg hits the, the walk-off home run to give the athletics their 20th win in a row. And you get the montage of, like, Brad Pitt in the, in the training room there, Billy Bean, Brad Pitt, in the, in the locker room. Just watching, uh, not not even really watching it, just listening on the radio, and here's the crack of the bat. Go go check out my Twitter and go look at the retweet from last night. Uh, I almost I almost pissed myself honestly. It was hilarious. Like <laughs> you guys need to see this. It's so perfectly done, and the fact that it was up there posted within like I don't know an hour of the game being done. Like a lot of editing had to go into this. It was it was it was honestly hilarious. Uh, all of that had <laughs> to come back to Joe Kelly though. I don't think we're gonna see too many saves from him going forward. I really doubt it. I mean, I guess we'll give TLR, LaRusa here, the benefit of the doubt. The guy's won a few World Series, so I mean, I know he's I know he's past the prime of his managerial career here, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. I don't think Joe Kelly needs to be added anywhere. I think that we'll just hold on to our Kendall Gravemans where we added him. If you're dropping him today, I don't think that's too wise. I would hold on here. Uh I would tend to think that LaRosa still generally knows what he's doing, and I might catch the ire of some uh, White Sox fans there. I'm not too worried about Graveman going forward for getting saves, up until, of course, uh, whenever Liam Hendricks comes back anyway. Let's now talk a little bit about today. There's, there was a lot of great performances from yesterday, and I could honestly spend like a few hours going through them because there was just there's just too many to go through. Uh, actually, no, we'll talk about O'Neill Cruz, and then we'll go on to uh, today's stuff. But... Really, really, there was like an embarrassment of riches yesterday between, like, you Darvish had a great game, Chris Bubik did, uh, JT Brubaker. Uh, going earlier in the day, David Peterson had a really nice game as well. There was, a, there was a, so much stuff you could talk about. A lot of home runs were hit. Um, but I think we'll talk about O'Neill Cruz for a second. Now, I was a little bit hesitant on adding him because, A, I didn't trust the Pirates as far as I could throw them. And I wasn't sure when he's going to be coming up. If you're in a league without an NA slot and you're taking a zero there, it's there, you can get away with it in some spots if you have guys in your lineup who are generally every single day players. If you have guys who are more like three, four d- days a week players, especially in the daily changes league, it would have been kind of hard to to put him in there. Now the B reason I hesitated a little bit is because we've seen rookies struggle. I've talked about this a lot. Some of them come up and they're great, uh, but it's pretty rare. So I was a, a little more cautious with O'Neill Cruz. I'd rather honestly a lot of the time play it safe, and miss out on somebody as opposed to taking the risk and dropping a valuable asset for somebody who's uh, kind of a maybe. So I know long-term he should be fine, but we've said that a lot of times about a lot of players, and I I mentioned Billy Bean. You know, look back at Billy Bean's uh, Wikipedia page or baseball reference or whatever the hell uh, if you want to see how prospects don't always turn out. But still, O'Neill Cruz came up yesterday he was uh, two for five. He scored twice. He knocked in four runs. He also threw the hardest ball 
I think that's been thrown by an infielder. Uh, I forget if it's – I think it's this whole season, actually. He threw the hardest ball. It was like 97 or something. Pretty effortless throw across the diamond. His sprint speed is ridiculous. Like, he's going to be very good. I was just a little bit hesitant because, you know, like I said, the Pirates are whack jobs, and they've, you know, they've successfully manipulated the system here uh, with this Super 2, right? And well done, I guess. I guess if it's part of the rules and you can get away with it, then uh, you're not really technically breaking rules, I guess. Although I guess that's where we can kind of maybe – I'm not going to do it, but you could kind of segue back into the whole Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham thing about – it's technically legal, so, I mean, I know I, I'm siding with Jock Peterson on that one still, but uh, definitely a little bit of gray area still with this whole Super 2 nonsense. It's a shame they didn't work it out in the CBA, and we see, you know, top prospects up from the beginning of the season. Still haven't seen Vinny Pasquantino come up for the Royals for whatever reason. I, I don't know. It's really hard to make sense of a lot of these teams, specifically some of these poorer teams. Uh, you know, they're trying to manipulate their years of arbitration, so that they have these guys hopefully still under team control when they do eventually contend. I think it's kind of shitty that they do that, but I think at the end of the day, they're allowed to. They just went through the whole CBA, and I understand that they had to make concessions on either side. That's something they maybe should have fought a little bit harder for, the Players Association. Uh, I'm not the most in tune with, with the CBA, but it kind of sucks that you miss out on a lot of great young talent because of stupid rules and contracts. Cruz is a strong ad if you need a shortstop. He's a strong ad pretty much anywhere, I think. Now, I was asked last week about Alec Thomas at the time, and I'm still kind of sticking to my guns. I think Alec Thomas, I prefer to have him rest of the season. Outfield and shortstop, they're both crowded, yes. Uh, you have three or five outfield slots where typically you have like two or three shortstop slash middle infield spots. You have more opportunity to fit in Alec Thomas. Now, Alec Thomas has also come up. He's hit for average. He's hit for some power. He's stolen bases. Uh I personally went with him when I asked this question like a week ago. Now, rest of season – no, sorry, not rest of season. Rest of their careers, I think O'Neill Cruz projects out to be a better player, probably a much better player. But right now, and I might be in the minority on this, I'm still leaning towards Alec Thomas. He's come up. He's proven it at – I don't know. It's not like a long time here, but uh, Alec Thomas has had uh, – let me just pull up his at-bats here. I think we're talking like 100 and something, 134 at-bats. And he's done very well. Over the last two weeks, he's the 65th ranked player. I'm not willing to just so easily jump off of a guy who is still a highly touted prospect, like a top 20 major league prospect, for another one just because he has a little bit more hype around him. You know, I tend to be a little bit more uh, risk averse there. So O'Neill Cruz is a strong ad, yes. I think Alec Thomas also, to go off topic, is a strong ad. He's only 22% rostered, so go out there and get him. I think both of these guys are going to have quite a bit of value uh, certainly in Dynasty, they're right up there. But even for the rest of the season in a redraft format, I like their value quite a bit. Let's now talk about a couple of tonight's pitching matchups. There's one in particular that I really am interested in. There's a couple that are interesting, but there's one that's like really interesting to me, and that's Kevin Gosman and Dylan Cease. Uh, second night in a row, I'm highlighting uh, the Blue Jays and, and White Sox game. Last night, Jose Brios, another shitful performance. He's really a roller coaster. Hard to really pin him down. Lance Lynn had a pretty good outing there, so that was pretty solid. Uh, really unfortunate with the Rios. But if we're talking about today, we got Kevin Gosman and Dylan Cease. That is a fantastic pitching matchup. Now, if you guys are gamblers, I'm not sure if the line has changed yet from this morning, but and shout out to John Anderson on Twitter for uh, putting me onto this one. Kevin Gosman's line was set at four and a half strikeouts this morning. Uh, I would take the over on that, and I would laugh all the way to the bank, most likely. Now, he has had a couple of rough outings recently, uh, the last couple of games, we've seen him hit 3-4 and 3 strikeouts, which is why we got this low number here. 
but uh, I agree with John in that I expect him to do to have a bounce back performance today. Uh, so I would definitely take the over there, and I think you know Gosman is definitely just one of the more entertaining pitchers to watch. That splitter is just lovely. So this one will be fun uh, on his side, and then of course we have Dylan Cease, who probably I think by next year will be in that elite tier of pitchers. He's already in the very high class. He's got 97 strikeouts in 68 innings, a 2.91 ERA. The whip could be a touch lower, 135, sure. Uh, it could be a lot lower, actually. He walks a lot of batters, 32 walks in 68 innings. But I think this will be overall a very entertaining pitching matchup. I would hop on that Kevin Gosman line if you can get it at four and a half. Now, I'm not a gambling expert. I do throw down some bets every now and again, and this is a day where I will definitely be throwing one down. Actually, I'm not even sure if I, I haven't placed the bet yet. I'm not sure if the betting apps will allow me to do it where I am here in the Dominican. That's, a, that's an interesting thought here. Uh, well, I might be shit out of luck on that one, but you guys, if you're in North America, I'm assuming a lot of you are, are in North America. I know some of the other viewers we have are in Europe and whatnot, but wherever you are, if you can place a bet on Gosman over, I would take it. I would be taking it. And Cease, I think, is set pretty high, like seven and a half. So that one's a little bit riskier. But uh, really entertaining matchup. It should be anyway tonight. Now, there's another one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. It's not quite as interesting, I don't think. But it's going to be Martin Perez and Kyle Gibson. So Kyle Gibson, is a, it's a good matchup here against a Rangers team that has struggled offensively. I like him. Uh, I like him as an option here. Martin Perez is definitely the main reason I'd be watching this one because he's just – you know, a mystery wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an enigma. Uh, yes, his changeup is ridiculous. He really knows how to locate it well. But I don't think that really <laughs> can explain what we've seen from him so far. Uh, he's pitching to a 2-1-0 ERA. He's going to be an all-star, and he's probably going to be, um, well, Cy Young might be a little bit of a stretch to say he's going to be in the Cy Young conversation. But, like, right now, he's in the Cy Young conversation. I did give him an award for my article. I guess I'll just tell you guys. I named him as the best waiver wire pickup of the season to this point. Uh, I don't think there's too much debate on that. Brandon Drury was my runner-up on that award, just to give you a little bit of uh, sneak peek if you haven't read the article yet. Go ahead and check it out on my Twitter and at sportsethos.com, by the way. Uh, but Martin Perez, Martin Perez uh, I'm just going to be very interested in seeing every start now going forward just to see if he's able to keep this up. Now, before we go today, I'm going to look over the last two weeks at the top 10 or so uh, players, talk about what I expect from them going forward. Now, we'll be talking about totals, not on a per-game basis, because per game, you can really look, uh, it can really muck up the rankings and whatnot. So we're going to be looking on a total basis, the total value they have provided to you over the last 14 days. The number one player over the last two weeks, and the number 17 player, actually, over the last month, Jay Cronenworth. Jake Cronenworth, over this stretch of time, over the last two weeks, has 15 runs, two homers, 15 RBIs, a steal, and a 434 batting average. Now, it's funny. When I was on the Palazzo podcast with the fantastic Michael Govier, uh, someone put into the live chat that they were offered a trade. Now, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like Jake Cronenworth in exchange for Tyler O'Neill and a couple other parts. And we were like, uh, yeah, of course, you, you get rid of Cronenworth in that situation. And we were kind of poo-pooing Cronenworth there for a few minutes, saying, oh, yeah, he's fine, but he's not, you know, he's not a game changer. And now uh, I doubt that he heard it, but he has definitely changed since around that time period. He's been absolutely on fire, and I'm really liking what we're going to get out of him rest of the season. I'm thinking, anyway. Good lineup around him. He typically bats in the two or the three hole. Uh, I love what he can bring rest of season. 
Uh, Anthony Rizzo is the number two player the last two weeks. He has 11 homers, or sorry, 11 runs, six homers, 14 RBIs. He's actually stolen two bases over the last two weeks, which is fantastic for Anthony Rizzo. You don't draft him for, you don't really draft any first baseman to steal your bases. The fact that he's done two over the last two weeks is fantastic. Uh, he's actually the number one ranked player this week and number two over the last two weeks. Uh, he's been, he's the 21st ranked player to this point on the season. Now he's on pace to hit more home runs than we've ever seen from Rizzo. Great stuff. Great stuff in that Yankees lineup. He's typically batting third, second sometimes, but usually third. Uh, it's done a wonders for his career to go to New York. Uh, Mike Trout is the number three ranked player in that period. He has eight home runs in the last 14 days, guys. Uh, Mike Trout, if you guys didn't know, Mike Trout is a pretty decent baseball player, I would say. Uh, he has nine runs, 15 RBIs as well, batting 350 in that time frame. And he's the 13th ranked player. Now, he's just about providing you first-round value despite not even attempting one steal this season. I checked that a couple days ago. I don't think he's attempted one these last couple of days. Literally not one stolen base attempt, and he doesn't need to. He's still going to be a first-round value. Now, will he ever steal bases again? Yeah, in the rest of his career, he'll steal another base or two. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe assumption, but I don't think he'll be stealing that many. Like As a rookie, it was 49 steals. We're never seeing that again. But I don't think it should really, you know, you shouldn't be avoiding him in drafts or anything like that because, oh, he's not going to steal me bases. Uh, he's still ridiculous. He still puts up, I mean, to this point of the season, 90 runs plus RBIs, 21 homers. Great stuff. Only 290. You hope to be a little bit higher than 290. But, you know, I, I, I'm complaining over nothing, really. It's, it's Mike Trout. Um, he can bat over 300, but he's typically right around that range. So, uh, I, I shouldn't really be complaining. I'm asking a little bit too much here. Uh, the next player we have is Yu Darvish, who I have not been big on, man. I drafted a lot of him at the beginning of the year. He was shit in the bed for, for a while, so I was I was ready to move on, not to drop him, but to try and explore like a sell-low kind of trade just to get something back for him. But, man, he's been fantastic these last few weeks. Like I said, he's the fourth-ranked player, a .82 ERA. Now, the strikeouts are pretty much gone. Uh, Yu Darvish has dropped about 10% from last year and from his career numbers uh, in terms of strikeout percentage. That sucks, but he's still been able to provide value. He's actually, to this point, providing more value than he had uh, last season. The 317 ERA last year was 4.22. He's got the whip under one. Now, yes, seven wins is really contributing to his ranking because... <sighs> deep breath. Because of wins. Uh, because of those seven victories, yes, that's given him a lot of value. I wish he would strike out more batters. He only has 66 strikeouts through his 82 innings. Uh, just to compare, last year in 166 innings, he had 200 strikeouts. Or 199, I should say. Um, I don't know that that's ever going to come back at this point in his career. It's tough, but Yu Darvish obviously still great. Uh, Adolis Garcia is the next player, uh, the fifth-ranked player over these last two weeks. And he's been, like, the whole season, actually. People thought the last year was kind of, eh, he's not going to repeat it. But he has repeated it and then some. So he has, over the last two weeks, 11 runs, three homers, nine ribbies, and five steals. That's a huge part of the value there. 346 batting average in that time frame. And for the season, 13 homers, 11 uh, stolen bases. Last year, he had 31 homers and 16 steals. Now, he seems to have upped the steals while maintaining a similar home run pace. I don't think a 30-30 season is completely out of the blue for Adolis Garcia. I think it's definitely possible. Um, and, you know, he's someone who was kind of undervalued heading into the season. I do have a couple of shares, uh, mostly a couple of points leagues. But, man, uh, wherever he is, he is great. 88% uh, rostered on Yahoo. Now, you figure most of those leagues where he's not rostered are either very small or inactive leagues. 
if you're in a shallow league, you know, go take a look on the waiver wire. There's no, there's no league where he should be available. He's been providing second-round value to this point in the season. There is not one single league where he should be available. So that 88% is a little bit suspect to me. Probably some uh, leagues that are going a little bit more inactive or some people are stopping because, you know, they're, they're in last place and they said to hell with it for the season. Understandable, but if you are in one of those leagues, sometimes there's still money on the line. You can go find someone like him on the waiver wire. Go and do it, absolutely. Now, quick story here. One of the leagues that I signed up for in the offseason was a free league. Before I even knew I was going to be doing this analyst thing for Sports Ethos, I signed up for a free ESPN points league just for shits and giggles. Someone, in their infinite wisdom, the other day dropped Kevin Gosman. They dropped Kevin Gosman, guys. Uh, there, are, there are some people out there who are just not great with fantasy stuff. They saw a couple of bad outings from him, and they thought, oh, shit, you know, here it goes. He's done. Stupid thought, stupid process to drop him there. It makes no sense. I had the number one waiver priority, guys, so now I have Kevin Gosman for free. I was already in first place. It's a free league. There's nothing on the line except for pride. Uh, but it just goes to show you, People, are, people can be stupid. People can definitely be stupid. Now, when there's not money on the line, they t- tend to be as stupid. But, I mean, you can't give the human race as a whole too much credit in terms of their intelligence. And I definitely, obviously, group myself amongst them in certain situations. But Kevin Gosman should not be dropped, guys. I think that's pretty obvious here. Uh, Garcia, the 88% should definitely be a little bit higher. Uh, Reese Hoskins is the sixth-ranked player these last two weeks. He has five homers, 10 runs, 12 ribbies. He's been great this season, man. He's been really great. He's batting typically in the two-hole in that Phillies lineup. They've been disappointing, but he's been definitely uh, an exception there. He, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, there's been some guys. Guys in the lineup typically have been very good. It's been more their pitching that has caused them grief, specifically the bullpen. Hoskins has been great. Michael Harris, we'll talk about Michael Harris here. He, over the last two weeks, has three home runs, 20 runs plus RBIs, and two steals. He's batting 404 in that time frame. And the beauty about all of this is he's batting ninth in that order. So, yeah, it kind of sucks. But whenever he gets on base, he's got the top of the, uh, top of the order in there to drive him in. So in his 81 at-bats, he scored 14 runs. That's pretty damn good. 346 average for the course of the season. I mean, yeah, he needs to be added. At first, I was a little bit hesitant because, yeah, okay, he's a nine-hole. There's a lot of guys in that lineup. He's probably not going to be moving too far ahead of maybe the seven or eight slot. But at this point, it doesn't even matter. He's been that good. He needs to be added. Yesterday, he was three for three. Uh, he had a home run the day before. He's stealing bases on a regular basis. Bases on a basis. That was kind of funny. If you guys uh, don't have him rostered in your league, or if he is just sitting on the waiver wire, he needs to be added. Absolutely. A couple more guys now. Number eight over the last two weeks. Byron Buxton has hit seven home runs in this span over the last two weeks. He's 12 for 41. 11 runs, 10 RBIs. 293 average. Very good. Now, it sucks that he doesn't steal bases anymore, but that power is definitely elite. Was he drafted about where he should have been in most cases? I think so. He's at the 65th ranking, uh, 65th ranked player right now for the course of the whole season. That's about where he should have been, I think. So, yeah, uh, if you drafted him somewhere in the middle or like round five-ish, five, between four and six, I think you're, you're okay with what he's given you so far. Uh, Shane McClanahan is the number ninth ranked player over the last two weeks. Over 20 innings in that frame, he's won one game. 24 strikeouts, and he has a .90 ERA, .65 whip. Again, I like how they've limited his innings. I was a little bit worried a few weeks back that maybe they'll just keep ramping him up. You know, he's looking so great. They want to make a push for Cy Young. It looked like Glass now is probably going to be at least a Cy Young candidate last year, so maybe there's some kind of pushing in the race front office to think, okay, we have another guy who's going to win Cy Young here. We need to showcase him a little bit more. But, no, they've been very smart with him. 
limiting him to under 100 pitches in every game except for one where he hit 100 on the nose. So I wouldn't be too worried about him there. I still think he might be a sell, honestly. Him and Alcantara, I just I love them both. Like I love them both, but I still think there's a little bit of room there to improve your your team. Now, I know it sounds stupid because of how great McClanahan's been. Joe, how are you going to improve your team if you're trading McClanahan and Alcantara? It's not going to be a, an improvement that you see today necessarily. And uh, the way that they've limited his pitches, I'm not, I'm not so sold on this is what you have to do. I still think you can trade McClanahan and it won't hurt you. But you're not trading him. This is, a, this is the important part. Unless you can get back a Ramirez, uh, maybe a Paul Goldschmidt. And by Ramirez, I mean Jose Ramirez a Guerrero, a Bichette, a Trey Turner. Those are the only guys that you would be trading him for. If you can't get back one of those elite top first-round names, then no, you're not trading him. But in a case where you would be getting back a top-five draft pick, I'd be pretty okay with it just because come playoff time, if come fantasy playoff time, if the Rays have already clinched the spot, there might be a missed start for him. There might be just some short starts or a not bullpen, but you know he'll come and he'll pitch three or four innings. The Rays do some funky stuff with their pitchers, man. So a team that's hard to predict like that, I would maybe bank all the value he's given you and try and go for an, an elite position player. That's just kind of the way I'm thinking about it. I have one Shane McClanahan share. That is in my home league with my friends that I play with. So I'm not sure that they're going to be buying what I'm selling if I try and get rid of McClanahan. I don't, I don't know exactly how... Close. I know that they pay attention, but I don't know exactly how much they dig into the advanced stuff and the details. So it might be hard for me to get rid of McClanahan. Not that I, I mean, get rid of him. Uh, he's been the best pitcher in baseball this year so far. I just think going down the stretch, we might see him limited a little bit, and especially come fantasy playoffs, that might be really hard to stomach. Uh, again, you don't have to do this, but it's just a thought. Kyle Schwarber, last guy we'll talk about today. He is the 10th ranked player over the last two weeks. He has 25 runs plus RBIs, 15 runs, 10 RBIs, four homers, and he's even stolen a blaze. Uh, stolen a blaze. He has stolen a base. God bless him. He only had one all of last year. He's got three so far this season. He's got 18 home runs and 37 RBIs to this point in the year. He's typically leading off, which I still think is weird. I know he gets on base, but I, I think a leadoff hitter should be a quick guy. Personally, I just that's the way I grew up. A leadoff hitter should be typically a shorter guy who hits for a lot of contact and steal bases. I mean, OBP is all they really care about now in terms of leading off guys who just get on. But we've seen like Aaron Judge leading off of the Yankees recently and just just weird stuff like that. I don't really understand it. Seems to be working pretty okay. Uh, personally, I'd have him more as like a cleanup hitter at 3-4, like Harper 2, Schwarber 3, uh, Castellanos 4, or even maybe like switch Castellanos and Harper kind of thing. Not a huge deal, but I think it's kind of weird how he leads off. But maybe he's seeing that nah, I'm a leadoff hitter. I got to steal bases. He's got three steals this season. Only had one last year. The average kind of sucks 213, but he has still provided uh, top 50 value to this point in the season, mostly on the backing of his home runs. Uh, obviously a massive asset in points leagues. Guys, I know I said off the top I was only going to go for 25 minutes today, but I just enjoy chatting. So you're getting about a 45-minute show today. I'm going to go hit the beach. You guys go follow on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you are someone who listens regularly or maybe you listen just the odd time or whatever and you're still hearing this, really would appreciate you guys hitting the five-star button or any kind of positive review you want to leave would really help us out in growing in the still early going. We're still early going. We're like, I think, week 14 or something now. I think it's 14. We're still new. We're still new on the game. We need all the help we can get, and you guys can help out for free with just a click of a button. So I'd really appreciate that. We will see you again tomorrow. I hope everybody has a great night. Cheers, everybody.